Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 24. And in this episode, I want to talk about how to increase your distance. And this is something that has come up in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger. It's something that I have struggled with. And I think it's something that a lot of runners can relate to. How do I get from where I am now to where I want to go? So this specific question that I'll read to you in a second came up in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger. So basically the question was, I'm not sure how quickly I should increase distance and how to compare trail distance to road distance. And that's a big one as well. I have definitely struggled with this one in the beginning, how to make the transition from roads to trails. We've talked about that a little bit. It probably bears repeating and talking about some more. So if that's something that you're interested, drop me a line, an email or something on Instagram and let me know. And maybe we'll put that into the lineup for a future episode. The number one thing that runners want to avoid is injury. And Part of doing that, avoiding injury, is understanding how to build your mileage sustainably. And that is basically your foundation for avoiding as many injuries as possible. Now, you can't avoid everything, right? There there are times you might trip or fall or something happens that's just completely out of your control. But what we're talking about here, or what I want to talk about on this episode, are all of the things that are in your control, things that you can do to minimize your incidence of injury. All right. I've even heard people ask things like, uh, every time I go beyond a certain number of miles, either per run or per week, I end up needing to take time off because I'm injured and everything hurts. So it's always just this equation of anytime I increase my miles, I get hurt. So I have made (laughs) a bunch of notes on this. And so I'm just going to rip through. I think there's, how many tips did I write out here? seven tips with lots of subcategories. <laughs> I love a good list, you guys. I love some good notes. So grab a pen and paper if you want to take notes or just listen to this multiple times and commit it to memory. <laughs> I would be so impressed if somebody did that. Um, okay. So tip number one, I'm just going to dive right in. You know, I'm all about making the most of your time. Tip number one is start tracking what you're doing all comes back to the plan. If you have a training plan and you're following it, that's the biggie, then you could very easily tell me what days you're running, how many miles you're logging each week, and roughly what your average pace is. And this data is very useful when it comes to deciding when to increase your mileage and by how much. Okay. I talk a lot about training plans, probably at nauseum. (laughs) But this is truly the foundation, you guys. Once you've got a few weeks recorded, maybe four to six to eight weeks of data, then you can start to evaluate it to see some patterns. So here are some things that you might notice. Um, And these are kind of examples that I have pulled from either my athletes or myself, you might notice that you do better when you give yourself a rest day in between your runs. I've talked about it before, but I run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And I do Tuesday, Thursday because I want to have time off in between during the week. I do other cross training and stuff in between. And then I like to load up back-to-back miles on the weekends. 
And I just know that I run better when I have those rest days, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do other things, but (laughs) a reprieve from running. You might also notice that you start to feel that old, I have knee injury written here because I pulled it from a previous client, your old knee injury every time you go above five miles in one run, or when your weekly total mileage jumps above 25 miles a week, right? So you might start to see these type of trends after you get that data aggregated. And you might also see, and this one is really common, that you've been running the same thing week after week after week. Same days, same miles, same routes, same pace. It's like vanilla all the way around. Like everything is exactly the same. And so when you can see those things and when you have the data to be able to look at, now you've got some variables that you can manipulate in order to create change. And I'll explain exactly how to do this in this episode, okay? If you're winging it, right, i.e. you're waking up, in the morning and you're deciding that day how many miles you're going to run, start keeping track of what you're doing pronto. I cannot stress this enough. You can't change what you can't see. So, I mean, I literally can't remember what I did last week, let alone (laughs) like yesterday, right? I don't have kids I can't imagine the kind of brain fog that comes from having to manage not only my own schedule, but kids' schedules and work and vacation and like doctor's appointments and and everything else. So how can you possibly remember what you ran yesterday or two weeks ago or three weeks ago? So you got to start keeping track and it doesn't have to be like this, you know, super detailed sheet. It could be a note on your phone. It could be one of those tiny little spiral bound notebooks that you just happen to throw in your bag or in your purse or wherever you go to after you run, just start writing it down. At this point in the game, don't worry about trying to find a plan to follow, right? So if you're winging it, you might think logically, like the next best thing for me to do is to find a plan and, and follow it. Don't do that just yet, right? Just start keeping track of what you're doing. You might be wondering why I'm telling you to skip the plan (laughs) when I've told you so many times before that having a plan is crucial and it is, but I'm going to encourage you to have a plan down the road. Okay. But right now you're doing what comes natural or what fits into your schedule when it comes to running. And that's what we want to track. It makes no sense for you to get and follow a plan that has you running, let's say like seven days a week when you can only manage three days on your own. So just start to track and see what you're doing. Start from there. And then you can start to work into finding a plan that's most appropriate. When you have the pattern When you can see the pattern, then you can find a plan that works for you, or you can write your own plan, or you can hire a coach to help you knowing how many days works best. Okay. So in, in either case, start accumulating six to eight weeks of run data, and then look at it for patterns and potential variables that you can manipulate. Okay. Once you've done that, Get a training plan, if you didn't already have one, that uses up and down weeks. 
So back in episode four of this podcast, I talked about how to write your own kick-ass training plan. If you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend that you go back, take some notes. There's also a PDF that you can download that lays everything out. So if you're driving and you can't take notes or you're out on a run and you listen to it, come back, go and dig into the show notes, get that download, and you can look at it. I have a couple people in Run Father Faster Stronger right now that are actually using that PDF to write their training plans. And it's so cool to see them send me a note at the beginning saying, I have no idea how to write a training plan. And then I'll send them to the episode. They listen, they get the download, and then they'll send me back this, this amazing training plan, you guys. So I highly recommend it. It will help you outline a plan and it will really keep you from doing too much too quickly because we utilize this concept of up and down, up being weeks where you do more work and down being weeks where you do less work. And I want you to keep that in mind because that's going to come into play in another tip further on down in this list. So having that training plan will help you to create your new pattern, your new cadence. But what I don't want you to do is go all in right away. Okay. So part of the reason why we have these up and down weeks is that you can build up slowly. If you want to be doing this for the long haul, like you like running and you want to be doing it for the foreseeable future, you need to be um, making this plan sustainable. And in order to do that, you have to build slowly. Most of the time when I hear from people about increasing mileage and getting injured, it's because they did too much, too fast, too quickly, all of the things. So if you're trying to jump to the next distance, these same rules apply, like go slow, start to build slowly. We cram too much into a narrow window of time, and that's always when things go awry. My favorite emails to get from people, either clients, current clients, past clients, uh, random people that email me that want help with their training plan, friends, family, coworkers, I get a lot of emails like this. It, go, it, it usually goes something like this. Hey, Megan, how's it going? Hope things are well with you. So I saw this race. I can't stop laughing while I say this because it's just so funny. So I saw this race that I really want to do. I've been running a few times a week and I've signed up for this race. It's eight weeks from now and it's the longest distance I've ever done. It's like, I'm, I'm making this pretty general, but this is... I, I've gotten more of these emails than I could, e- I could even express to you. And it's like, it's a marathon or it's an ultra, or it's literally the furthest distance race that they've ever done. And I'm so excited that they're going to do it, that they want to do it. And at the same time, I'm fearful because I, I want to help them. But sometimes part of my job is giving people, um, a reality check in the nicest way possible. And that's hard. You can't train for an ultra in eight weeks. (laughs) Just, just going to put that out there. Unless you've been doing a lot of training, leaning up to it and you've got a good base and you've been, you know, working your plan, deciding that you're going to run an ultra in eight weeks is probably not a sustainable thing. Okay. So the body needs time to respond to this progressive overload that comes by way of having a training plan. And it doesn't respond to a deluge of training, right? When you just try to throw everything at it, all the hills, all the zone two, all the speed work, all of, um, like everything, (laughs) 
It doesn't respond well to that. So think about it kind of like one drop at a time, right? Slowly, progressively over time. And something else that I think people get uncomfortable with is hanging out at a particular distance for more than a week or two or one or two runs if it's a particularly long run. We often feel like I did that distance once, I want to move on to the next one. But not every week is an up week. You need the down weeks and sometimes you need to repeat the same mileage for a couple of weeks in order to get to your goal without an injury. So let's say you had two up weeks. You were running Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and your mileage total for your first up week was 20 and your second was 25. You might get to that second week and do those 25 miles and just feel totally spent. Have a down week where you do 15 miles a week and then your next up week is 25. And you do that again and you really just feel worked over. Well, then you need to kind of spend some time in that 15 to 25 miles per week range to get comfortable there because obviously something's happening that the body isn't responding to. So that's kind of a broad example. But tip number two, have a training plan that uses up and down weeks. All right. We kind of already talked about this. But tip number three is add mileage in small increments. So when you're building your plan or when you're ready to start adding mileage, do it in small increments. Think less is more, right? The thing that I think about is I can always add, but taking away is much harder. So I can always add mileage to a run if I'm feeling really good. But if I really, really push it and try to go way far outside my comfort zone and I run too much, that will most likely leave me feeling drained or like I can't do the next workout. Um, I can't take it back. I can't take those miles away. And so then I'm going to have to kind of suffer the consequences and try to make up for it with more rest. Okay. So you can always add, but you can't take away. If you overdo it, kind of just what I said, like you, you might pay the price in the form of extended soreness and aches and pains above and beyond what's normal and reasonable or worst case scenario, an actual injury. Okay. So add mileage in small increments. So now the next logical question is, well, what's the, what's a small increment? I typically tell people and do myself small increments of a quarter or a half a mile a couple times a week. And I'll add when I feel like it, when I feel it's appropriate at the end of a run, I'll go out knowing I want to do five miles today, maybe a little bit more if I'm feeling up to it, but my baseline is five. I won't go out, do five and say, well, if I'm feeling really good, I'll do six, (laughs) which is where I think a lot of people go wrong. It's just all about building time on your feet. Okay. And once you get comfortable with a quarter to a half a mile chunks, then start to bump it up to three quarters or a mile, but don't make a full mile 
jump right away. And you can do this by walking, maybe even walking a little bit longer for your warm up and counting that as part of your run. Okay, we could do a whole episode on whether or not people think that walking counts as running, but I think you guys know my take on this. Walking a longer warm up or walking at the end of your run to cool down and counting that as your mileage too. It's all time on your feet, especially when you're training for an ultra. Okay, so this is how I start to increase my mileage by just tacking on half, three quarters, a full mile to the front or the back of a run and walking and building up that time on my feet. Okay, and the key is to just continue tracking your runs and populating that training plan so that you can see the bigger picture of how things are progressing. All right. Tip number four, don't run sporadically. We kind of talked about this at the beginning, but part of having a schedule is running consistently. Have a consistent schedule where you go out and run. Now, schedules can be crazy sometimes, right? Especially when it's the school year or even when it's the summertime and things are just happening all the time. You have meetings, you have uh, summer camps, you have travel, you have all of these things. And sometimes your schedule has to adjust. But overall, the way I like to look at it is we have a week's worth of work that needs to get done from Sunday to Saturday, or Monday to Sunday, however you like to think about your week. You can shuffle those workouts anywhere you want within that week, but that total aggregate of work needs to be done within those seven days. And when you run consistently, your body will better understand what's expected of it and adapt accordingly. So think about it like you were learning to play an instrument or learning a language. It's the same thing, consistency without overdoing it. Where I see a lot of people getting into trouble is they will start out well with a schedule. They'll say they're going to run five days a week and they do that for two weeks and then life happens and they can only run once or twice a week the following week. Then they try to go back up to five then they go down to one and then they go up to three, and then they go to zero, and it's just all over the board. So when we can start with a training schedule that mimics what we're capable of on our own naturally, like think back to tips one and two that we talked about, tracking what you're doing now without having a plan, when we can mimic that and really see, okay, on the whole, I'm capable every week of getting three solid runs in and building a plan around that and having that be our consistent schedule three days a week, then you can start to build around that. But if you're all over the place, five and seven and three and one and two and zero for weeks on end, there's no consistent stress, positive stress on the body that will produce a change, okay? So tip number four, don't run sporadically. Keep it consistent. (laughs) Tip number five, have some variety in your training. And this is, this encompasses a lot of things. Surfaces, routes, mileage, time of day, movement, like all of the things, okay? I believe that this one gets overlooked sometimes because we're just so focused on logging the miles and 
running an ultra isn't just about logging the miles. It's about stepping back or taking that 30,000 foot view of what's going on and manipulating all of the variables to get the desired outcome. And we've talked about repetitive stress injuries in a previous episode, but it's relevant to this topic. So I want to bring it up again. If you always run on the roads, One of the ways that you can bring in some more variety is to get onto the dirt, try some trails, run around on the grass at the local ball field or park or whatever you have available. You don't have to make your whole run on this surface, but get some variety in there, right? We're looking for, we're looking to expose the body to some different things. The more inputs that we can give it, the better it will be able to handle all of those things that come up on a trail run and in an ultra. Variety in your runs is also really important. We kind of talked about this and it ties in with training plans and building and up and down weeks, but they shouldn't, all of your runs shouldn't be the same distance. You shouldn't always go on the same route on the same direction. Uh, Last round of Run Farther, Faster, Stronger, one of my athletes, Natasha, was having this issue with her right calf and her right foot. And after we discussed it for a while, it had a lot to do with the fact that she was running the same route in the same direction uh, on the roads. And the camber of the road was such that her right hip and foot was always higher than her left one. And this is one that I can 100% identify with. It's, um, it's, it's one of the things that I first noticed, first identified when I finally was trying to get a handle on my hip pain. I just started to look at all of these variables. And one of the things was, well, I'm always running on the left side of the road facing traffic and back and around here, like in the woods, the roads are a little more domed. Like we don't have a curb and a sidewalk on all of these roads. They're domed so that the water and the snow and everything will slide off on the sides. And that was where I was always running. And so my left foot was always hitting lower than my right. And it was kind of throwing everything out of whack. Same thing for Natasha. And once we kind of switched those variables, as well as um, she got more consistent with what shoes she was wearing, then the things started to resolve themselves. So switch it up. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's going to prime you for a repetitive stress injury. This is part of the reason why we include so much different stuff or why I include so much different stuff in terms of functional movement and strength and cycling and walking and hiking and doing all sorts of different things so that my body isn't grooving those deep patterns that set me up for injury. I get lots of different um, movements. I get lots of different inputs and stimuli. And so my body is constantly guessing, oh, what is she going to do now? Okay, we have to be prepared for this. Okay. So tip number five is have some variety in your training. Tip number six, have a functional movement and strength plan. Okay. We talk about this a lot. I share a lot about functional movement and strength training and running alone 
won't help you go farther. You need the strength in your joints as well as your muscle. And yes, running will help to build that, but it's not the be all end all. You need to create the strongest and most resilient version of yourself. And the way to do this is through functional movement, movement variety, just like in tip five, and strength training in addition to your running. And this is basically the foundation for run farther, faster, stronger. And when I look at my own training plan, there, there are a few kind of main components. So one is the daily shakedown. Two is a strength session. And for me, that looks like body weight, dumbbells, kettlebells, or this nifty little piece of equipment called a TRX, which I really love. And functional range conditioning work that's centered on specific parts of the body that I know are kind of air quotes problem areas for me that I want to get ahead of. And that's in addition to running and walking and even cycling. Okay, so again, we need to be thinking of the challenge that we're going to take on whatever your race is, whether it's a 5k or like I've said before, a 500k. You have to do an honest assessment of what your body is like right now. And through the daily shakedown, you start to really understand what moves well, what doesn't, what's talking to me, like giving me a lot of sensation or maybe pain, and what are the areas that I know are weak. And those pieces of information then get kind of fed into this training plan, and that's how we start to pull out or push forwards different things that are going to be most important, right? So maybe you are already really strong and you have a background in weight training. That's great. Okay, so you have that foundation. Now, how can you incorporate that into your running Maybe you're a little weak on the stretching side, the functional range conditioning work. Maybe everything in your body feels a little bit restricted, like your hips don't have a lot of mobility. Your shoulders are kind of on lockdown. Your spine doesn't articulate the way it probably should in order for you to be a runner and an athlete. Those are the things that we want to pay attention to. And we want to pay special attention to the places that you know you tend to get injured or are causing you trouble. And this is especially important if you've ever been injured before, because let's just say you had a, a, a right ankle sprain. Now that that's happened, you are more likely to re-injure it again. And that's just because that tissue has been exposed to that injury. The way that we combat that is to work on that body part, your right ankle, and work on its mobility, work on its strength, and work on using it for what you want it to be used for, right? So building those elements into your plan. I'm going to link some videos in the show notes that will kind of help to jumpstart you in this practice. And In the future, I'm going to be running a challenge on this topic. So if you're not already on my email list, I'll post a link for that in the show notes as well. But basically, I'll just be giving you some simple movement practices that you can do that will help you to combat running stress that's happening just by going out and doing a run. So having a strength plan, having a functional movement plan, doing some sort of other training that bolsters your run training. 
We are on to tip number seven. Last but not least, build more recovery and rest into your training plan. I have told this story before, but back in the day when I hired my first running coach, he had me running six days a week. And now I've got runners that come in to run farther, faster, stronger, running six or seven days a week. And in my opinion, that's too much running for most people. It was too much for me. Um, Maybe it works for you. Maybe your body responds well to that. But for most people, it's too much. And what I often encourage people to do is to switch things up. And that typically leads to seeing improvements, not only in your performance, but how you feel on a day-to-day basis, because that's also really important. We don't just run. We're not sponsored athletes. Maybe you are. I'm not. (laughs) And we need to do other things outside of running. So the first place to start with this is back at tip number one or two with a training plan, knowing how much you're actually doing so that you can evaluate where to cut back. Incorporating more rest into your days on a day-to-day basis and on the weeks. And that's where using up and down weeks comes into play. I was actually just looking at a training plan right before I started to record here from someone in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger who was building their plan. And I noticed that when she wrote it, the first 10 to 12 weeks, every single week was an up week for her. And I highlighted it and I'm actually jumping on a call with her later today to talk about it. But every single one of them was an up week. And that was the first kind of red flag that I noted to her in my in my Slack note back was, hey, we got to do something about this. We got to build more rest and more downtime into this. Otherwise, it's just like a a pot of water that's boiling. At some point, it's going to boil over. And that's what we don't want to happen. The boiling over signifies um, stress or injury or something negative happening that we don't want to happen. So doing more shakedowns and stretching will also kind of also count as rest and recovery in in my mind, because again, we're injecting more movement variety and prepping the body for what we want to happen. Swapping in a walk or two for your runs, especially if it's a down week and you had a particularly tough or challenging up week or two prior, swapping for walks is great. We could always use more sleep, right? I know I can. I'm sure you can too. Not only more sleep in terms of volume, but better quality sleep. So there's a ton of different ways to start to hack some of that into your routine. And of course, better nutrition, better hydration. It's just kind of tweaking some of these little things that start to help you feel better on a day-to-day basis. Like I think of sleep and food and hydration as rest and recovery because you're helping the body to build back up. All right. So those are my seven tips. You guys real quick, we'll recap them. Tip number one, start tracking what you're doing. Um, If you have a training plan, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keeping track. If you don't have a training plan, start to keep track some way, shape or form, collect four to six to eight weeks worth of data. And then we'll start to build a training plan that uses up and down weeks. That's tip number two, have a training plan that utilizes up weeks where you do more work and down weeks where you do less. Add mileage in small increments. That's tip number three, instead of overdoing it, 
and paying the price. Start small, think less is more. You can always add, but you can't take away. And don't run sporadically. So lots of these are kind of lumped in together here in this general idea of how to orchestrate a training plan, but be consistent and the body will respond and adapt accordingly. Tip number five was have some variety in your training, surfaces, routes, mileage, time of day, all of these things. We want to put in a lot of different inputs so that the body understands and adapts. Tip number six was have a functional movement plan and a strength plan. And those two things can actually kind of be the same thing with just different slants to a few of the workouts, okay? So understanding what a shakedown is, doing an actual strength session, whether that's body weight, kettlebells, TRX, whatever, and then actually having a functional range conditioning work that's centered on specific parts of the body that you know are either problem areas or specific spots that um, I always say talk to you more and that just means like they ache, they're sore, or even potentially places that you've been injured before, right? Because now you know that if you've rolled that ankle once, you're more likely to do it again. So we really want to pay special attention to those areas. And the last one, tip number seven, build more recovery and rest into your training plan. We talked about a myriad of ways that you can do that. Whew, that was a lot. (laughs) All right. Now I actually want to jump to the question about trail distance versus road distance. And first and foremost, I just want to say distance is distance. But I will say that trails are more physically demanding than the roads. For the sheer fact that there are more variables that you have to pay attention to, all right? So if you're a road runner, you get out onto the road and if there's a rock or there's a pothole or you have to step up or down off the curb, that might happen every once in a while, right? Maybe there's some trash that you have to jump over. Hopefully you see that trash and pick it up and put it into the proper receptacle, right? Because that's what we do in Run Farther Faster Stronger. (laughs) Um, But on the trails, you've got rocks and roots and trees and water and moss and incline and rocks that go on a slant and you're running downhill and there's wildlife out there. I mean, there's a ton of things that you have to juggle in order to keep moving forwards. You have to keep looking up to see what's ahead of you on the trail and then look down to see what's right in front of you, maybe three to four feet in front of you. You can't just put yourself on cruise control for the whole run when you're doing trails. You're actively engaged in the process of running physically and mentally as well. And this is why you're going to feel more wiped out after a trail run than you would on a road run of the same distance. I was talking to another athlete of mine who just did this local trail route that has a, a significant amount of up and down, vertical ascent and descent. And he finished this and he came back the next couple of days and was like, man, my calves are really bothering me. 
And I said, yep, <laughs> that's what happens when we do uphills and downhills. And he's, he's an iron man. Like he's very used to the concrete jungle versus like the wild, wild west of the outdoors and the trails. And he's making huge gains and doing awesome work, but you're going to start to notice different parts of your body when you start to hit the trails and you are are given all of these different inputs, right? We talked about that, having variety in your training plan. So all of the same tips from above apply to building trail mileage, okay? I will say that building trail mileage might feel a lot harder and it might actually be a slower process for you and that's okay, all right? I talked about this when I was, when we were talking about the other seven steps, but one of the biggest mistakes I see people making is not giving themselves enough training time and not actually giving themselves enough kind of grace, <laughs> not actual grace like a dancer, but like giving yourself a little bit of uh, grace in way of your pace. I see a lot of people and I for sure was kind of bent up about this for a while. Like, why am I not going as fast on the trails as I do on the roads? And it's for all of those things that I just listed. It's physically and mentally exhausting. You have to pay way more attention. You don't know how to navigate um, all of the things that are that you're encountering. Every single foot placement is like an algebra equation, right? <laughs> or it's like a physics problem. I, 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 I did AP physics. I, I can't, I won't lie and say that I did well in AP physics, but I just think about that as the analogy. You have to kind of run these calculations in your head. And if you have zero experience, you need to put in the time and the reps. It starts out with walking the trail and then maybe coming back and doing it a little bit faster the next time. Maybe it's a fast walk or not necessarily, you're not, you may not be at that jog level yet. Then maybe you jog it the next time you see it and then maybe you run it. But there are always going to be sections that you might walk and sections that you might run and you just blaze right through it. So pace in trail mileage is going to be very different, right? If you download your GPS file from your watch and you have a look at it, you'll probably see a lot of spikes, peaks and valleys because you're stopping and you're starting and you're going fast and you're going slow. And, you know, your average might be higher than what you would see on the road, but you're doing a hell of a lot more work out on the trails. So keep that in mind. <laughs> There's a lot there. And I, and I think I'm kind of glossing over this and maybe we'll talk about this as a completely separate episode, but trail distance and road distance, you know, distance is distance, but the trails are going to be more physically demanding than the roads. You're going to have to pay more attention. Your pace is going to drop and you're going to have to practice. It's not, it's like I was talking to somebody else um, yesterday about swim training and how when you do swim training for triathlon or just for fun, that aerobic work translates really well into running. Road running or running in general, doesn't necessarily translate well or give you any competitive edge when you jump in the pool, <laughs> okay? it's They're not reciprocal in that fashion. It's the same with roads and trails. Road running doesn't really translate on the trails, whereas uh, trail running, if you do a lot of that, you actually, I think, 
If you go from trails to roads, you can actually go faster on the roads because you don't have to think so much. You can, like I said, put yourself on cruise control and just go. So give yourself some time to kind of make this transition time and grace and don't try to cram everything into a ridiculous number of weeks and then wonder why your body isn't responding. Okay. Embrace the process and give it time. Okay. We did it. You guys, those are my tips for helping you build mileage without injuring yourself. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with me today. If you're enjoying the show, please, please, please do me a huge favor. Go and rate and review it. It only takes like a hot second to do this, but it goes a long way towards helping other runners find the show. And let's be honest, we all need more podcasts to pass the time on those long back-to-back weekend training runs, right? So thanks in advance for doing it. It means a lot to me. I'm a one-woman show over here and I see and read all of those reviews and it totally makes my day to hear what you all think. I'm going to do that movement challenge coming up here soon. So if you're not already on my email list, I will post the link for that in the show notes. Okay. One more thing before you go, I just want to put this out there. I don't want you to forget that on the road to your ultra, whatever that distance might be, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Okay, It's going to be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and it's all part of the process. So wherever you are in that process, whatever kind of day you're having today, just know that tomorrow is a new day. And as long as you get up, keep working the plan, keep showing up, you'll get to your goal. So do what you can today with what you've got available to you and go to sleep tonight knowing that you did everything that you could. And then tomorrow, wake up and do it all over again. So thanks for hanging out, you guys. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.